Hey, 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 greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. And from upstate New York, welcome to the Pastor Duke podcast. We're continuing our series on the life of David in his own words. Number six episode, I trust getting into the narrative uh, brings uh, the word of God to you, perhaps in a new way, capturing our imagery, living in the text, facing what the Bible characters faced. So I trust it'll be a blessing to you. Here we go. On the outside, things look good for me uh, and my administration. Only Joab knew what I had done to Uriah. And not even sure if he knew why. I doubt he even knew of my affair with Uriah's wife, but I wasn't quite sure. We really never had that conversation. But I was confident he would keep his mouth shut, for I had total leverage on him for his murder of Amnon. So for Joab and I, it was kind of a wash. I think I could trust him. He was doing a good job, and enemies continued to fall before our troops. But I had to live with what I had done. God knew, and I knew. Bathsheba knew. I still went to the tabernacle, made my sacrifices, did my music just as I always had done. But there was an emptiness now, a haunting, you might say, in my heart. My guilt was ever before me. I feared my sins would find me out. Would God let this slide Bathsheba had delivered a beautiful little boy, and then that fateful day did come. There came a knock on the palace door from Nathan the prophet. I love this guy, but I was worried that my all-knowing God may unfold my sin to him. Nathan came in and initially set me at ease, asking me a question for my judgment for a rich guy who stole a lamb from some poor guy and then threw a feast to feed his fat cat friends with the poor man's lamb. And it was an easy call for me. I know the scriptures. I quoted straight from the law of Moses. He shall repay fourfold. Then whammo, the hammer dropped. Nathan's finger pointed right in my face. Thou art the man. Instant humiliation. He knew it all, told me exactly what I had done. No alibis here, no blame shifting, no lying out of it. Busted, guilty before God and before man. And the Levitical judgment I had just pronounced on the rich guy for his crimes was the exact judgment God was proclaiming upon me for my crimes, which were far worse than the rich guy which for me was actually full of grace for my crimes were worthy of death. So I had opened the door for tragedy to come upon my own family. Sin took me further than I wanted to go. It kept me longer than I wanted to stay, and it cost me far more than I ever wanted to pay. My lust had conceived, and it brought forth sin, and sin would bring forth death. Nathan had a tear in his eye when he confronted me. He wasn't having fun. I knew he loved me, but he did what he had to do. I wept in utter shame. I feared what the nation would do as word leaked out 
that I wasn't the pure, wonderful man they had always perceived me to be. Would God raise up a man to replace me? Had my sin nullified the covenant God had made with me to keep one of my descendants upon the throne of Israel forever? Would the temple promise still stand? One of my sons would build? What will my new reality look like? I was really scared. I did not know. I waited upon the Lord. If only I would have thought about all this before I took Bathsheba that dark night. If only I had counted the cost before I wrote that death note for Uriah. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, how foolish my sin has proven me to be. Living for self and pleasure in those lustful moments would cost so much. What a fool I was. In the anguish of that hour, I cried out to the Lord. You call it Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me against thee. And thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit, for thou desirest not sacrifice, or else I would have given it. Thou delightest not in the burnt offerings, the sacrifices of God, or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. I was broken. I confessed it all. I fessed up to God and to man. I repented. I got on God's side of things against myself, and I found... His grace was greater than all of my sin. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. That's me. Whose sin is covered. That's me. Blessed is that man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. It was all out in the open now. I was no longer living a lie. Hopefully others could learn from my mistakes. I lived a year without that sweet peace I had long known. Thank God the peace came back. I was right with God again. Terrible scars on my heart. I knew I was forgiven. I knew grace and mercy at a whole new level now. Once again, I was right with God. But Uriah, he's still dead. I would never be able to fix that. And my self-proclaimed judgments were not just idle words. I was completely forgiven, yet I was about to reap what I had sown. That pure-hearted shepherd boy watching lions, bears, giants go down was now a sin-stained king. It wasn't long till the first judgment came. Our little guy, Bathsheba's baby, grew sick. And I knew it was all on me. I fasted, I prayed, and agonized with God, yet justice prevailed. The child died, and one woe was passed. Our staff saw my agony when the baby was sick and feared even to tell me of, it, of the news of his death for fear I might completely lose it. But when the child died, a calm came upon me. I knew I couldn't bring the child back, but I knew one day I and Bathsheba would go to be with him. 
sad as it was, this child will never know the pain and trouble this world would have given him. Earthly tragedy here is only a heavenly gain. Mama took it hard. She too had been part of the adulterous event that birthed this innocent child. But the same God who forgave me forgave her, and she was comforted. God graciously granted her conception again and gave us another son we named Solomon. You talk about amazing grace. God would keep his covenant with me even though I had broken my covenant with him. Solomon will be in the forefront and center stage to the later part of my journey. One woe was passed, but three more would soon follow. Each time my heart was crushed and waves of guilt would come upon me, I was the one who opened the door for these calamities to come upon my family. All of the wives I had taken made for chaos continually in my home. Favorite wives, children, vying for power were always part of our story. Jealousies ensued, power struggles within, they were constant. Who would succeed me (laughs) instead of who would love me? It wasn't pretty. It was all my fault. In the context of that mess, my son, Amnon, fell to lusting after his half-sister, Tamar. Long story made short, he raped her. Word went through the family, through the palace, like wildfire. What will the king do? The law says Amnon should die, but hey, the same law would have had me dead as well. Confusion, pain, anger, shame was ruling my day. I did nothing. How could I render justice to Amnon when God had mercy on me? Oh, poor Tamar. Her purity was robbed. She went into mourning and never really recovered. She never married. She moved ultimately into her brother Absalom's home, helped raise his family. Let me tell you, sin ain't pretty. It was all on me. Well, two woes were passed our family confusion only worsened. My mishandling Tamar's rape had lodged deep into the heart of her full brother Absalom. If dad will not execute justice, I will. And two years later, he did. Absalom killed Amnon and fled the country in fear of me. And of course, the nation is watching Our family woes gave fuel to all the gossip tabloids of our day. It was a soap opera. Three woes had passed with the worst yet to come. All the while, the economy was booming. Military victories continued. Justice was ruling our society. Taxes were low. Morale was high. A whole lot of good citizens were God seekers. They were showing grace to an imperfect king. Thankfully, they never forgot my youthful courage with Goliath. They never forgot the horrific injustices done to me by King Saul. Our people were awesome. They still showed their love to me. They were saddened by my family tragedies, but they were always supportive. I tried to be a good king and run a tight ship. So our national story unfolded with both good and evil coming in on parallel tracks, and often arriving about the same time. 
kind of like history, isn't it? I like to call it all palms of victory, all the while willows of sorrows. An imperfect king and an imperfect nation, both chosen by a perfect God. The fourth woe was hardest of all. The first three woes were kind of just hit suddenly. Baby dies, Tamar raped, Amnon dead. And they were over, except the drama in the aftermath. But they were just single events. They hit, hit hard, and were done. This last woe would go on for a horrific month and leave the nation broken and divided. After Absalom killed Amnon and fled, I had him return home after two years from exile. But when he returned, things just weren't ever the same. Man, I love that kid. I understand the drama. If only I would have handled it different. My no action on Amnon's rape of Absalom's sister changed everything. He lost all respect for me. I know he still loved me, but that kind of sexual sin takes its toll on a family. His body had returned, but not his soul. He knew my plans to have Solomon ascend to the throne. It didn't sit well with him. Even in his presence, there was still a distance. I wasn't sure exactly what it was, but it would soon come to the surface. And this fourth woe was about to hit. Another family mess became a national disaster. What our avowed enemies could not do from without, Absalom would do from within. He nearly destroyed our nation. Here's how it all came down. Even with all my family woes, things were good for our nation. and There seemed to be a good season of peace and stability. Meanwhile, backstage, Absalom had taken some big matters politically into his own hands, which were gone pretty much unnoticed by me. He had set up office near the palace, and as the citizens were bringing civil issues and questions to me, just everyday operations, he was subtly channeling a lot of things away from me, appointing himself special envoy from the king to the people. And hey, they loved him. He had charisma. He had the good looks. People, he had great people skills. People were loving him. His taking out Amnon for the rape only endeared him more to the public. They fully understood why he did it. They forgave him, admired him for it. He was gaining favor with more and more people and all the while plotting to overthrow the monarchy and kill me so he himself could ascend to the throne. That day came when he did exactly that. He knew by then who would be loyal to him and who would be loyal to me. I was now turning 70 years old and into my 40th year as king. I was hoping for a smooth transition to Solomon. Things seemed to be pretty much settled. I had in the back of my mind those four judgments Nathan had pronounced upon me those years ago. Only three had happened. This would be the fourth. God holds us accountable to the letter of the law. And it's a self-proclaimed judgment. Well, Absalom went down to Hebron, had his inner circle ready to anoint him king. A big crowd was amassed to make it look official. The crowd was mostly unaware of the coup attempt. Uh, they didn't realize exactly what was going on. Well, it was a huge success. The conspiracy was deep. 
word traveled like wildfire that Absalom had succeeded me as king, and with all his popularity, how is the nation to know otherwise? Word gets back to me, the fourth woe had hit. It was here, and it was ugly. As I couldn't bear to discipline Amnon for Tamar's rape, I couldn't bear to fight my own son Absalom. I wasn't so fearful of my own life as I was for the destruction of our nation. I knew Absalom was not God's choice to succeed me. I knew he would kill Solomon, no doubt kill Bathsheba if he comes to power. This was all so complicated, it all stemmed back to my sin. I fled town. I had never shown this side of me to the nation. It wasn't so much as fear as confusion, but they saw me flee. My inner circle, they were loyal. They were there for me. The priest wanted me to take the Ark of the Covenant with me as I fled, but I said, no, this isn't God's problem. This is all on me. On my way out of town, a man named Shimei cursed me to my face. My good men wanted to kill him on the spot, but I said, no, he's only vetting the frustration that my monarchy had created for him and for our nation. I'm an old dude now. The nation is in civil war. My loyalist versus Absalom's New Deal. When you think things are kind of good, oftentimes they're not. So here I am, back in the wilderness again. First as a shepherd, then as a fugitive in exile from King Saul, and now fleeing the wrath of my own son, Absalom. It was so awful, so complicated, so much at stake. A bloodbath is brewing. I really didn't even know how to pray. Best I could pray was pretty simple. Oh, Lord, your will be done. I so deserve the worst. I sent Hushai back into town to see what he could learn, kind of as a spy. Out in the wilderness, loyalists brought me food, said prayers for me. I fled from Absalom, took three battalions of infantry with me. They were ready to stay and fight, but they followed my orders. They stayed with me. Turns out God was still on the throne. The covenant would still stand, and God's will would be done. It wasn't pretty, but it needed to be done. Absalom arrives in Jerusalem, goes into my concubines before the entire nation to seal the deal, to completely defy me. And shame me, proclaiming himself to be the new king. He comes back out and seeks counsel, which kings did, on what to do about me. Ahithophel, who abandoned me, counseled him to send out 12,000 troops, immediately hit me when I am weak and tired, kill me, and bury me in the wilderness. He almost tried that plan. I'm so glad he did not. But as God would have it, Hushai was asked for counsel as well. Hushai said, go out yourself, basically. Show yourself a man, Absalom. Lead your own troops like your father did. Don't just send them out. Go out. And Absalom took Hushai's plan. Ahithophel was so troubled, so humiliated, he went out and hanged himself. That's how unsettling those days were. I gave command to our troops, do what you have to do, but spare my son Absalom. I let my heart 
control my wisdom. Long story short, God wasn't done with me yet. Absalom's troops were routed. Absalom had been caught by his long hair in a tree as his donkey walked underneath the tree, got caught. He was hanging. He was found, and Joab did what he had to do. He took him out. Absalom is dead. Word gets back to all of us. Half the nation rejoices. Half the nation is not sure if this is good or if this is bad. I wept. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Oh, Absalom, my son. Would to God I had died in your stead. Joab heard me, and he warned me. You better step it up, king. Go comfort your loyal supporters if you have any common sense left in you. Joab was so wrong, and yet he is so right. I gave the hardest speech of my life to comfort, best I could, the bereaved and confused nation. Again, they forgave me, sympathized with me, and waited for my stepping down. It wasn't an extremely happy last year of my life. It was the hardest year of all. My fourth well had passed. Baby dead? Tamar raped, Amnon dead, Absalom dead, and hundreds of other innocent soldiers as well in that civil war. All because of one sinful night of lust. Woe is me. But some good news would follow. Much healing would come to the nation and to me, to my family. And again and again, God kept pulling me out of the valley of the shadow of death. I look forward to telling you next week the final part of my journey, stepping down from King, some final reflections. And though I did not deserve it at all, the best was yet to come. The dreams that I had would be fulfilled for our nation, not completely under me. Enemies are smitten, put down, we're at peace. Had a lot of healing to do. I can't wait to tell you the rest of the story. Hey team, thanks so much for tuning me in. I trust these uh, approaches to scriptures are a blessing, a little bit different. As we get ourselves into the narrative, let our imagery do the work. Holy Spirit will speak to us. As David faced his issue, so will we. As God's grace is great upon him. It's great upon us as well. So please share, like, subscribe, help me get the gospel to the end zero. Farewell for now. Jesus loves you. So do I. Bye-bye.